Welcome to the Study Rooms podcast, a series of teachings from the Study Rooms class about the Bible and its effect on our daily lives. We hope it blesses you. Ready your hearts and minds for God to teach you. This is part two of our discussion on what our relationship with God does for purpose. Let's join Eva Dan Yusuf for today's class. All right, so we are going to go to the third point. Um, A child also depends on the parents for sustenance, for provision, right? So this happens in two ways. God actually provides our physical needs. I do not play down on the fact that God actually provides for us. I'll tell you a story of something that happened in my childhood. Um, I think that those that have heard me preach in church may have heard um, this testimony. But there was a day, like growing up in my childhood was not very easy. We had some very, very good days, but we also had some very, very bad days. Um, My dad has always worked for himself from as long as I have known, right? Uh, My mom was a teacher. She taught in Command Secondary School in Kadna. So mm, there was a time, I don't know, in the the government just slashed teacher salaries and my mom was only being paid 3,000 naira in a month. So imagine yours, and then my dad worked on his own. So it was based on like contracts. So the days we get, he gets a contract, are very good days in the house, but sometimes he doesn't get like a contract in a like stretch of period of time. So imagine those periods of time when there's no contract and everybody's living on a 3,000 naira salary every month. We have four girls, four children have to go to school. My dad's um, siblings were living with us and my mom's sibling, were living, they were living with us. So first of all, imagine how crazy the whole house would be. And imagine everybody living on a 3,000 hour salary. So there was this day that it was really, really bad at home that time. And there was no food. There was nothing. I think there was what, like 200 naira in the house. And my mom just gave it to us to buy Zobo. No, then they sell this Zobo that they tie in leather and Zobo that they seal. They use a sealing machine. So then Zobo was five naira, so we bought Zobo, all of us. And as children, like, we were happy, we are content that they not force us to eat that day and we are drinking Zobo. We were actually happy. But my mom was really, really sad that day. She was really down. And we felt like her burden. So as children, like, we gathered together and we just told mommy, our mom, that mommy taught us to always, you know, look to God when we are in need. So we are going to do that. And you know, then it's just childlike faith and all that. So we actually took a pen and a paper and we wrote down a list of everything that we wanted. We were asking each other, what do you want? My sister said she wanted nice biscuits. Who remembers nice biscuits? The one that used to have sugar on it. Who remembers nice biscuits? Okay. <laughs> Some people. <laughs> okay. So, so we sent nice biscuits. We wanted... um conflicts, you know, children, I was just naming, naming everything. So my mom got encouraged and she joined our list and she started writing things. And do you know that we finished writing that list, we prayed and before the prayer, see, I'm not joking, it's not like a Hollywood film, right? Before the prayers finished from our mouths, 
an aunt of ours drove up, drove into our house. And when she came, we, we really love our auntie. So she, we ran to her, hugged everything. I try and cut the story short. So she just came in and said that she was, she's just coming from Abuja. Then we're leaving Kadna. She was just coming from Abuja. And then on her way, that the Holy Spirit kept disturbing her to enter a store and buy some certain things for us. She doesn't know why, but she just did it. Do you know that we took our list to the boot of her car? And as we're bringing down the things from the car, we're checking them off our list. And God literally answered every single prayer on our list, including the nice biscuits. I'm not joking. Like every time I remember this testimony, there are tears in my eyes. Like there's emotions in my heart. I'm just like, God listening to the prayer of a child to four children who did not even fully know him yet or understand him, but look to him in faith. See, it's getting to me again. Looking to him in faith and just trusting him. And then we didn't even think much of it. We just heard that when we need something, we should ask God and God will provide for us. And we did that and God provided for us. And the truth is that I have stories upon stories of stories of how God has come through for us. But on how God has come through for us. And that's, that's a testimony that will never, ever leave my heart, right? So God provides for us and God desires us to look to him for provision. Also, I'm going to read, let's read um, Philippians 4.19 says, but we must also look, I'm reading from NLT, but we must also look to him. Oh, sorry. Philippians 4.19 says, and our God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So aside our physical needs, right? We must also look to God for every other need as well. God to provide for us in every other area. So I'm talking about emotional needs, psychological needs, spiritual needs, mental needs. Every need of our life, God should be the one providing for us. So for instance, our love needs, we should not meet other human beings to provide, to fulfill our love needs. For instance, I know that my husband cannot love me 100%. He cannot love me the way God loves me. So I look to God to fill my love needs. And God sometimes, God most of the time loves me through my husband. God loves me individually. And it's God who satisfies me because there is no other human being that can satisfy me. That's number one. Number two is too much pressure and expectation to put on another person to love you completely. So we ought to look to God for our love needs. We ought to look to God for our validation needs. We ought to look to God for our encouragement needs. We ought to look to God for support. Um, I want you to help me in the comment section by listing out other areas of needs that we should also like look to God for. So like our validation needs, our support needs, our psychological needs, like everything. Yes, yeah, someone's chicken says God did that too, too for us with school fees. So yes, God is a provider and God does that. But God doesn't only provide things. And most of us have a relationship with God where we only look to him to provide things for us. But God wants to provide so much more for us than just our physical needs. God wants to do so much more for us than just our physical needs. So um, number one need, right? 
God provides us with direction and clarity on how to navigate our lives, right? These are all the things that God provides for us that I'm listing right now. So number one, God provides us with direction and clarity on how to navigate life. So let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter three from verse five to seven. Proverbs chapter three from verse five to seven. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him and he will make your path straight and smooth. He will remove obstacles that block your way. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience and turn entirely from evil. God also wants to provide us with direction and clarity on how to navigate life. Okay, so let's also read Psalm 37, verse 23. I'll read from the NLT. Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. I love that, that scripture. So <clears throat> I'm reading now Psalm 37, verse 23. So I'm reading NLT. And NLT says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. God delights in every detail. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe because of the picture of holiness of God that was painted, we just feel like, there are some areas in our lives that are dark that God is not supposed to go there. But is, is, is light not supposed to go in dark places? Like the dark places of our lives are where we need God the most. The places where we think are seemingly insignificant to God, as they are the places that we need God the most. That means we need God in every place, but there are some places that we really need him the most. And the Bible says here that God directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail, detail on the heart. Says the God knows this number of the strands of hair down on our head. What is that for detail? Like God, <clears> hey, <throat> okay, our time is going. God cares about every detail of our life. So please don't leave out any, in our relationship with God, the one that we are building, God wants to have access to every detail of our life. Okay, so, um, still talking about provision, right? God wants to be the lens with which we see life. He wants to be the guide navigating us in everything. God wants to be the lens in which we see life. And he wants to be the guide, and he wants to be the guide navigating us in everything. One of the reasons why God had to remove Adam and Eve from the garden is because the disobedience that they made, right, was the disobedience of wanting to know good and evil on their own terms. Like God says, do not eat the tree from, do not eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden, lest you die. Prior to that knowledge, every idea of good and evil for Adam and Eve came from God. But by disobeying God and eating of that fruit, they began to judge good and evil on their own terms. That means they stopped seeing things through the eyes of God. And that was not God's original intention for us. God's original intention was for us to think like him and to reason like him. 
The truth is that the world that we live in does not think like God and does not reason like him. And God actually wants us to think like him and reason like him. Do you understand? So I wrote here that God wants to be the lens with which we see life. He wants to be the guide navigating us in everything. Let's read James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, to guide him, I'm reading Amplified. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to you. Let me, uh, let me read it again. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide you through a decision or circumstance, you are to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to you. God wants to give us wisdom. God wants to teach us how to go through life. God wants us to go with him so that we can excel in everything that we do. The truth is that if our lives are given to God, excelling in everything we do gives God the glory. He brings glory to God. He said, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good work. Why? So that it can glorify our Father in heaven. All right, so let's read um, Isaiah 30. I'm going to read 18 to 21. Isaiah 30, 18 to 21. It says, for this reason, the Lord is wanting to show his favor to you so he can show you his marvelous love. He waits to be gracious to you. He sits on his throne ready to show you mercy, ready to show mercy to you. For Yahweh is the Lord of justice, faithful to keep his promises. Overwhelmed with bliss are all who will enter, entwine their hearts to him, waiting for him to help them. Yes, the people of Zion who live in Jerusalem will weep no more. How compassionate he will, he will be when he hears your cry for help. He will answer you when he hears your voice. Even though the Lord may allow you go through a season of hardship and difficulty, he himself will be there with you. He will not hide himself from you, for your eyes will constantly see him as your teacher. When you turn to the right or turn to the left, you will hear his voice behind you to guide you, saying, this is the right path, follow it. I just love that scripture very well. Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, 18 to 21. I read from the Passion Translation. Let me just type it for you. Isaiah 30, 18 to 21. I encourage everybody to read this like passage in different like translation. It's so encouraging. God wants a relationship with us. God wants us to, God wants to be there for us. He wants to help us. He wants to be the guide that will navigate us through life. But we cannot have all these things if we do not have a relationship with God. So I'm going to try and move faster because like I have a lot of things to say today. So, all right. The first look that we took, right, is God relating to us as a father, right? So this second one is God is relate, God wants to relate to us as his word. So in John chapter one, from verse one to two, it says, in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. 
and we have seen his glory. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. And Jesus is God. And so the word of God is God. God wants us to relate with him through his word. So I wrote here that words signify language. Words signify communication. Words signify learning. Words signifies education. So for instance, we use words to communicate. We use a certain type of um, string of words and we call them language. God wants to communicate with us through his word. He wants to communicate with us in, in Jesus. Like if Jesus is the word, then God wants to communicate with us through Jesus. That means knowing what Jesus has done for us are the, is the language with which we communicate with God and we communicate with life. So an example is, is this, like when we are faced with issues of health, let's say health, health, physical health challenges or mental health challenges, we can communicate to that situation through Jesus Christ, through what Jesus has done. So you can say that Jesus right, died on the cross so that I can have full healing. And this full healing is what has been given to me by Jesus Christ. So I speak to whatever physical ailment that I'm having, right? And I say that you do not belong to me because I, I am hid in Christ and Christ in God. And Christ has died for me to have physical and mental health. That is communicating through Jesus, who is the word of God. But the truth is that you cannot communicate if you do not know the word. And you cannot know the word or understand the word if you do not have a relationship with God. Do you understand that? So we communicate not just to our situation or circumstances through the word. We also communicate with God. We know what God is saying through his word and we use that to communicate with him. We use that in fellowship. We use that in prayer. We use it in worship. We use it in communication. The word of God is our language. The word of God should also be our education. I know that from when we were born, they just gave us like two years. And after that, we started going to school. And we started gaining like a lot of Western education and a lot of things. And we know how that education, that knowledge has transformed our lives. Now, when you want to label yourself, you say, I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer or I'm a food microbiologist or I'm a this or I'm a that. Because of the knowledge you have and the education that you have. But who we are in Jesus Christ is the most paramount thing for our whole life. Who we are in God is the defining line between life and death. And that is the area we have the least education in. So if our lives are defined by the knowledge that we have, and if our survival depends on what we know, then the word of God should be our primary education. We should go through life not remembering what the word says, but reacting with what the word says because we've known it so much that it is our everyday life, is the language that we speak, is how we used to communicate in life, is the education that we have. One of, one of the things that um, used to really, really frustrate me as a Sunday school teacher was when my children refused to learn their memory verse. There's nothing as frustrating like that. So like as a Sunday school teacher, I used to teach teenage class. 
And you know that teenagers, they just feel like they've reached this age where they know all things and their reputation is the most important thing in the whole world. I don't know why, but it just cuts across teenagehood across all the places that I've taught teenage class. And one of the things that really used to frustrate me is when they refuse to learn their memory verses. And the reason why it used to upset me so much is that I used to tell them like, if you go to school and your teacher gives you an assignment, you will cry, you will do it in the car in the morning before you get to school because of the repercussions of not doing your assignments, right? Sometimes we stay up all night doing our assignments from school. But when it comes to the diligence of learning God's word and active, um, being active in engaging with God's word, we just take it with such levity. And knowing and engaging with God and his word is actually more beneficial to our survival in this world than our education actually is. Education is good. Please don't get me wrong. Education is good. I'm a proponent of education. You need to be educated to communicate in this life, to reason at a level that the world really needs you to reason and engage with. But our education in God, it should be the first. It should be the primary education. That way, when we enter life, we interpret life based on what the word of God says, and we don't interpret the word of God based on what life is telling us. That's what happens because you will interpret what you see based on what you know. And if what we know are only the education that we have, so both formal education, informal education, education from society, education from culture, education from the social, um, um, social norms that are around us, if the word of God is not the paramount education in our lives, then we stand vulnerable to what the world is saying and what the world is expecting of us. Okay, so let us read Proverbs chapter 4, 20 to 22. So this is the NLT. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. I'm going to read it again. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Let us read John, John chapter 17, 13 to 17. John chapter 17, 13 to 17. Says, now I am coming to you. I told them, that's just Jesus speaking to his father. He says, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth, teaching them your word, which is truth. Jesus is saying here that the word of God is truth. And we can only survive in this world if God teaches us his truth, which is his word. So the word of God is super, 
super important, and God wants us to relate with him, with his word. Amen. Can everybody still hear me? Just checking. All right. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So the um, last scripture we're going to read before we move to the next point is Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. One of the reasons I like this scripture is because it gives us like the big picture and it also gives us like the detail. So the, the word, your word, oh Lord, is a lamp to guide my feet. That means if you just imagine, paint a picture in mind, imagine that you tied a lamp to your feet. That means you get clarity for every step you take. You get clarity for every step you take. And it says, and a light to my path. And anytime I hear this, I just imagine like street lights on a particular street that's well lit. So God also gives you like a full knowledge or big picture of what it is that he's doing that's lighting your entire path but he's also a lamp to your feet so that you can see clearly as you make everyday decisions this is what the word of god does for you the word of god gives you the picture of everything that god is doing that's why the entire bible right is a story about jesus christ is a story about redemption, is a story about salvation. Right from Genesis up to Revelation is a story about redemption. But still in the scriptures, every passage, every book, every chapter, every verse has light in, in itself that guides our everyday living. So it says, that's why the psalmist was saying, your word, O Lord, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Okay, so we're going to move to the third point. It says, we relate with God as our Lord, ruler, and almighty through the help of the Holy Spirit. We relate to God as our Lord, ruler, and almighty through the help of the Holy Spirit. So, I mentioned that we relate to God as a father. We relate to God through his word. And I'm sure that we know that God is also our friend. He's also... He's our father, he's our friend, and he wants to relate to us as friends. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. God wants to relate to us as friends. But in as much as God is our father and our friend, God is also our Lord. God is also our ruler. God is also almighty. God is also king, and he's king of kings and lord of lords. That means God is sovereign over all. He's omnipotent. He has all power in his hands, and we ought to relate to God knowing that. But when we talk about Lord and ruler and almighty, the definition that the world had given it has given it such a negative connotation that when we think about rulers and we think of presidents and we think about kings, we just think about oppressors, we think about domination, we think about um, hierarchy of people who use their high position to suppress the people who are low or people who benefit more because they are high and people who are under them or people who are low, you know, suffer the brunt of like evil and all that. But God is not like that. God is a just king. He's a merciful king. He's a loving king. He's Lord. That means when I say he's a loving king, he's not just a loving king who is weak. No, he's strong and he's 
almighty. That means there's none that is mightier than God. And knowing this, we ought to relate to him with reverence. We ought to relate with him with awe. We ought to relate with him with respect. We ought to, we, we ought not to treat God anyhow. Like, because God is loving and God is merciful and God is gracious, sometimes we take God for granted. We just treat him anyhow. Like, we make an appointment to God and then we don't make it. We, we, just, we just treat him anyhow because we know that he's a merciful father and he's a loving God. But we must always, always, always be aware that God is Lord and ruler and almighty. And we need to relate to him as that. Sometimes we need to relate to God as judge because he's going to judge the entire world. We need to know that. We need to have it at the back of our mind that God is sovereign over all. That means there's nothing you can do that will change God. And there's nothing you can do that will add to him. There's nothing that you can do that will remove from him. He's God all by himself. He can choose to do with you or without you, but God has chosen to do with us. And it's something that should leave us in awe, in, in reverence, in just looking up to God in wonder that God, you did not have to walk with me. You did not have to mind me. You did not have to be conscious of me, but you are. So even though you are Lord, ruler, and almighty, you are still my God, my God, my personal God. Okay? So, um, let's read Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, fear, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One yields good judgment. My emphasis is knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If we know God for who he is and all parts of God, we will make good judgments in life. We will make good judgments in life if we just settle down and decide to have a relationship with God where we can know him. Do you know that sometimes I just get wary of how like God is being taught in churches. I just feel like sometimes they leave out the balance. They preach the love part but they do not preach the part where he has fire in his eyes. You know, they preach the mercy part, but they don't preach the judgment part, the one that does not behold sin, the one that will not leave, the one that does not stand for injustice. There's, there's, God is a multifaceted God. There are so many parts to him, but to fully enjoy God, you, don't, you cannot just enjoy God by knowing one part of him. You enjoy God fully by knowing the, the different parts that make him God. We hope this class has been a blessing to you. There's so much more we have on this channel and we know it'll bless you. New podcasts will be up every week. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when new podcasts are uploaded. Thank you for joining the study room.